0: The Necro Thursday. How's it going, Jeff? It's going good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, life is, uh, life is good. It's been on. Uh...
1: Yeah. Yeah. I listened to your ghost story episode and you, uh, you were in a really good mood that day.
0: Yeah. 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 I feel like, you know, life, life's, uh, life's been, been, uh, been doing, doing good for me these days. So I'm p- feeling pretty good.
1: I'm really glad to hear that.
0: Yeah. Have you, uh, you checked out anything cool in the interim?
1: Um, you know, I haven't really checked out much since I last talked to you. Funny enough, even though we already covered Sinister, I still <laughs> went back and finished Sinister 2 after we got done talking about it. And
0: yeah, confirmed. Thought- not good. Yeah, I was going to say thoughts on that.
1: <laughs> uh, you, you know how we were saying how like it could have taken a really generic turn in Sinister like they find a, a way to battle Bugal or whatever. That's exactly what the second Sinister movie was. It was just pretty much a generic version of, of the first movie. Really, really bad. That's a bummer. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's a bummer too, because I didn't really need to watch it. Like we'd already covered Sinister, there's no point. And uh, so you know what, fuck it, I'll finish it. You know, I, I fell asleep, so I'll I'll get, I'll finish this damn thing. That you felt, uh, you felt like that,
0: uh, you felt like it was a kind of waste of time, maybe?
1: Yeah, it was a waste <laughs> of time. It, it seems like, yeah, making a sequel to that, I, I could see what they were trying to do. They were obviously trying to build a franchise with this and make Bugal into some sort of, you know, Freddy Krueger or Jigsaw type of thing where there's 10, 12 movies. Um, but it, it wasn't to be a Sinister 2 bomb so bad that it killed the franchise.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. There was really I like it the way it is, man. I think it works. Self-contained movie tells a story, kind of leaves it open, and then that's that. I, I kind of dig it the way it is exactly. Yeah, I do too. I think a lot of movies should be like that. Like I'm just you know, there's there's three new Exorcist
1: movies coming, and it's it's hard to fathom because Exorcist is such a standalone movie. It doesn't you know? It doesn't need a sequel. It certainly doesn't need a, a a trilogy of sequels, but. With the exception of Exorcist three, which uh, was clearly trying to do something different, you know what I mean?
0: Well, I, I mean that was the perfect example of two movies that really were were done. They were part of like a concept. You know, I mean, the, there was two books, you know, in the in in the story, and they right. really did a great job. I love you know Exorcist one and three. Great, that's it. Move on. You know.
1: Yeah. And uh, I guess originally he didn't want to uh, call it Exorcist Three. The book is called Legion, and I believe he wanted to call the film Legion as well. But uh, the studio
0: sort of interfered and made it more of an Exorcist type movie. Well, that, that's the name of the novel is Legion, so that makes <clears> 100 percent <throat> sense that they would yeah. call it Legion. You know, but you know the movie industry is fucking up, man. You know they they really are. It's like I feel like in general what you see out there in the theaters is is a it's a misstep in a big way and um i think people yeah. don't really want to watch movies like that to be honest like these franchises and sequels and you yeah. know that kind of stuff
1: yeah you know interesting you say that i've been kind of uh, keeping an eye on on uh, on movies and the big summer releases everything is tanking this year yeah like, everything is bombing and even movies that are getting really good reviews, they are, like, they're making like half of what they would just a, a few years ago. And you can't really blame that on the pandemic anymore. So I'm curious, what are we going to start to see a shift away from these big budget uh, franchise comic book movies? And where is it going to go next? Because I know the new um, Insidious movie came out and actually did very well.
0: Yeah, that leads into uh, what I saw this week it was um, I actually mm. went to see the Insidious movie, The Red Door.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I did not know that there was five of <clears> these. <throat> <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I haven't really been been, pain, been tracking them. My girlfriend's a fan, so uh, we went out to the okay. theater to see it uh, last Friday. You know, it was a you know, we went out. It was a, a night out. It's fun, you know, yeah. and uh, um, you know, I don't. I ha- i've i only seen the first two you know so i don't i wasn't that tuned up with the story and uh i gotta be honest like the story itself is actually kind of cool but i think that they they kind of in the making of the film uh some of the things i didn't like about it had to do with like it almost felt like notes from a producer or something like that you know what i mean like mm. okay you have to make this character yeah. like this we have to create this completely unrealistic situation because people will respond to it this way. Um, I mean, the story itself like, is actually kind of interesting. You know, this whole, it's kind of a weird tale. You know, there's like this other realm that people go to. And I don't know. I kind of dug that. The first mo- film was, was, was decent in that respect, too. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. First hour of that movie, I, I liked. It kind of fell apart for me after that. And... I don't know if I've seen any of the other ones. If, if I have, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, you know, and there's some aspects of uh, the new movie, the Red Door, like the Red Door itself, like whatever that concept, pretty cool, I think. Um, hmm. At the end of the day, though, I felt like it it was mediocre. Um, you know, my girlfriend enjoyed it more than I did, and um, but it, okay. it was it wasn't a complete. It was it was fun to go see it out out in the theater and eat popcorn and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, I'm actually going to the movies tomorrow myself. We're going to see Oppenheimer and IMAX. I definitely want to see that. That
0: looks awesome. Yeah. Nolan, Christopher Nolan, you got to go out to the theater to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely on my list. You know, I yeah. saw another, a, very, a smaller, much smaller film that was recommended to me by Rennie, our uh, okay. quality, quality control manager. Yes. It's a, a movie that's on Tubi. It came out this past year and it's called The Older Gods and um it's exactly what you think it is (laughs) it's uh (laughs) a very small cast a lot of dialogue um very much in that lovecraftian realm of um of you know narrative uh cosmic horror uh it succeeds in a lot of ways and fails in a lot of ways so it's like you know might i'd be interested for you guys to check it out and for you specifically jeff to check it out and uh it's very much on the nose with a lot of the philosophical elements of it. But I always enjoy watching anything that has to do with, uh, you know, Lovecraft or Thomas Legati or anything that falls within that realm. I will at least take a look at it. And this definitely falls within that realm.
1: I'll definitely be checking that out. then. And I, I believe we do have two of you. I think we have every app that exists on our TV right now. Yeah.
0: I mean, Tubi is free with commercials, so there's no reason not to have it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is an older movie than I take it. No, this came out in this right. past year. It did? Yeah, Yeah. the older gods came out in 2023.
1: Wow, I'm, I'm behind. This is another thing I've been hearing a lot lately. Uh, have you noticed horror movies seem to be lacking a little bit this year, Mike? Lacking? I mean, just, you yes. know, where, or, it's... You know, there's only a few months left in the year, six, whatever, I don't know. Um, I don't know, there just really hasn't been like a like a bunch of stuff that's that's come up that's really kind of blown me away. It, just, it seems like a very mediocre year for horror.
0: I'm going to have to agree with you on that. That's, um, it's, it wasn't like last year. You know, last year there was like a, a torrent of films that came out. But, you know, we have a few months left and there actually are some heavy hitters that are going to schedule to come out later this year you know, like the, uh, that's true. Yeah. You know, the, the Ty West film, uh, was it triple X? I think is what it's called.
1: Oh yeah. Something. It's, it's the third film in this X trilogy. I am. Yeah. There's stuff I am looking forward to. Uh, and then you have your, you know, I saw there's a 10th saw movie coming. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the world needs another one of those.
0: There's also, and I, I, I know that, I'm very, I'm interested in seeing the last voyage of the Demeter, you know, that's, um, the Dracula, uh, film that's out. I think it's out today actually being today's Friday. So I think it actually was released today.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware of that one.
0: It's, um, you know, in the Dracula story, there's like the Demeter, which is the, the ship that carries the coffin over from, uh, from Europe to the United States in, in the novel. Right. And, um, so this store, this movie is based on that voyage, you know, um, and sort of all the mayhem that happens with Dracula and, and that kind of stuff. That could be cool. Yeah, it's a period piece, you know, so it looks, it looks cool. The trailers look interesting and, uh, you know, I've seen trailers, I haven't read much about it, you know, most likely I'm going to be disappointed, you know what I mean? But I'm still going to go sure. check it out. Sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get going too far, let's, um, let's run down all the uh, our fellow horsemen of the, po- of the podcasting apocalypse. You know, and uh, this podcast, as well as a bunch of others, we form this Illuminati-like aggregate of different subjects being covered in this wonderful medium known as podcasting. So starting off the week on Monday, we have Horror Wolf 666 brought to you by Brandon Legion. On Tuesday... We have Into the Necrosphere by Jackie Smith. And that's uh, the only metal or music podcast that I consistently listen to on a weekly basis. So I look forward to every uh, every episode. And uh, Mike Scandato and I were on last week's episode, um, the uh, 666 90s death metal episode. So that was a lot of fun. Nice. Wednesday is Everything Went Black, a long-running sh- podcast that I kicked off, Like seems like 30 or 40 years ago at this point.
1: It's been a while.
0: Yeah. Thursday is Necro Thursday, of course. Friday is Break the Apocalypse with Mike Scandato's brother, John Draper. And things are changing a little bit over there. Uh, The format's changed up a bit. So I urge everyone to go check that out. Saturday is a day off. You know, go out, get some sun. It's summertime. So if you can bear the brutal humidity, uh, go outside, you know, get some fresh air, that sort of thing. But come back on Sunday. (laughs) for soul knocks for all things occult weird esoteric and macabre and that's brought to you by carl hikara and that's like a full week of content man we got all the bases covered this week
1: yeah we do and uh you know, before we get into voicemails i gotta give a shout out to our co-host mike scandato who who had a big birthday yeah uh in the past few few days so happy birthday mike
0: happy birthday mike time the avenger comes for us all <laughs> <laughs> yes it does so uh as you know we have a voicemail line set up and you guys can give us a call and you know basically say whatever you want make recommendations that kind of thing we love getting them it's been really cool interacting with people uh, a lot of great recommendations which you're we are getting to and last week's episode was directly from recommendations that we got and uh so anyway, before I want to talk more about these recommendations because uh we got some really good good voicemails coming up. So, first yeah. up, Mike from from Telford PA calls in. How's it going, Mike? Appreciate your call.
2: Hey fellas, Mike from Pennsylvania. I'm on the necrophone feeling a lot better. Guys, uh it was a great episode last week. Looking forward to this Thursday. Uh I watched a movie last night called The Sky is Falling. The Sky is Falling. The Spanish movie from the 70s had uh, Dennis Hopper and uh, Carol Baker in it. And uh, I, don't, I, can, I don't know if I can recommend it. It wasn't really a horror movie. It was more like a morality play. But Dennis Hopper in the 70s, you can't go wrong with him. And uh, I wasn't sorry I watched it. It was a little heavy-handed on the morality part of it. Uh, but there was some shocking violence in it. And uh, Locale was really cool. Uh just before I went down with the fucking pneumonia, I watched a shitload of De Palma because of you guys. And, uh, actually, the, I watched, uh, Sisters, which I still dig. I watched, uh, Dress to Kill, which to me was just, just fucking overrated as shit. I didn't really care for it at all. And, uh, I watched Body Double, which was enjoyable, but it's not really my thing. I'll probably never watch it again. And, uh, Obsession I watched, which was very Chinatown. And that's probably the one I liked the most. Uh, it was a lot of shit happening at once. I, I wonder if it's because I missed De Palma in the 70s. Like, I didn't see his shit. I didn't see his shit in the 80s, really. And uh, I was already way into Giallo's and uh, Argento by the time I saw any of his stuff. So to me, it was kind of half-assed, Americanized Argento. And I'm not trying to fucking bust on anybody's fucking sacred cows. I just, I just don't get it. I mean, Body Double was fun. But, uh, you know, that's like everything that's wrong with the 80s for me. I just, I just don't dig that shit at all. Everything drops off in the early 80s for me. You know, Evil Dead is a fucking masterpiece. And then after that, it's kind of like Hit and Miss Hellraiser. I like, it's really spotty after that. And then it's really spotty after that in general for any horror after like fucking 82, 83 for me. But anyway, fellas, I look forward to this Thursday, Necro Thursday. Hope you guys are doing all right. I'm feeling a lot better. This weekend should fucking rule. I should be able to be myself again. So hope you dudes are doing fine and uh, look forward to Thursday. All right, later.
0: So have you seen uh, The Sky is Falling, The Sky is Falling, Jeff? I, I'm completely unaware of that movie.
1: I am too. I had never heard of that before.
0: It sounds interesting, though, anything with Dennis Hopper. I mean, it's funny. Like I feel like Dennis Hopper is just like one of those workman-like actors, especially in the early part of his career. Where you know totally. he took a he took a break for a while, and then when he came back, he was popping up all over the place. So this is probably one of those films.
1: Yeah, interesting actor too. He could be in something very prestige and and um, classic, and then you know he'll show up in some you know B grade horror schlock or something. You know what I mean?
0: One of my favorite roles is Frank Booth in Blue Velvet.
1: Oh yes, yeah, iconic. Terrifying. uh, I know you're not a fan, but I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. And I think he is great in it. (laughs) He's just totally handing it
0: up. Dude, I I just, like, cannot get into it, man. I've tried. I want to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. I just cannot get into it, man.
1: Uh, I get it. Well, you know, maybe it was, I, I think I was, like, I don't know, 12, 13 when I saw it at a sleepover. You know, I have fond memories of watching it for the first time. and. You know, it's probably more of a nostalgia thing for me than than actually, like, it being a good movie, you know?
0: Yeah, I know, man. And, uh, yeah, I just, even as a kid, I remember seeing it and feeling like there was something off with that movie, you know? I mm. uh It's still the second best Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, though. I think you're probably right about that, maybe. Yeah, I think I am. Next up, we got Dave.
3: Hey, Necromaniacs, it's... uh David Berardi, calling once again your uh your pal from the Razor Eater Metal page over on Instagram. Just wanted to check in, say how things are going with you guys. Uh shout out to Mr. Scandato on the Big Fifty. I'm sure by the time you guys hear this, uh the birthday have already passed, so happy birthday, Mike. Um wanted to shout out one of the callers that I'm hearing on today's episode. Definitely back up the movie the Wailing. um it's a, it's a friggin excellent movie um if you guys get the chance to uh to cover that uh and if you haven't seen it, I know Mike h said he did uh but Mike and Jeff, if you haven't seen that, you definitely need to uh, watch that it's um it's a longer film, but it's gripping and it'll hold your attention the entire time uh great storyline great twist at the end um, and fantastic performances. I must say it's one of the uh, best uh, foreign horror films I think that I've seen um, in a super long time. And uh, it's 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 cool in the sense that it doesn't have to rely on, uh, on gore or anything like that to be shocking. It's just really well written and really well acted. So, yeah, definitely recommend that. Um, as far as stuff that I've seen lately... My wife and I checked out a thriller on Netflix with Mel Gibson uh, called On the Line. He plays kind of like a sleazy nighttime radio host, um, almost like a Howard Stern in a sense. Uh, It's a pretty decent thriller. I got to say the twist at the end, um, didn't really see it turning out to be like something like that. Um, And it was a nice, you know, change of pace for for a thriller you know not being uh what you might expect so if you guys haven't seen that one yet uh definitely recommend that one uh, and as far as horror goes uh I'm just about to watch Terrifier 2 for the first time Uh just haven't got around to uh being able to check that out um, I've got 2B on my phone so I'm definitely going to be watching that probably after off work today. Um and yeah, as far as those are things that I've watched, uh I just watched Halloween End for the first time as well because it came on Crave. And uh I got to agree with you guys. Uh, I remember your episode on that. Uh you guys weren't really the biggest fans of it and I definitely agree. <laughs> it uh I got to be honest, it was kind of a stinker. Hey dudes, uh, it's Dave we're already calling right back. Uh, I guess I rambled my ass off too much on my previous message. Uh, just to summarize really quick, uh, you gotta check out The Wailing. Check out On the Line with Mel Gibson on Netflix. Good thriller. Uh, Halloween Ends was a uh, piece of crap. <laughs> and, uh, uh, definitely if you guys end up doing an episode on The Wailing, that would be awesome. And I think the, the uh, the listeners of the podcast should check it out if you haven't seen that yet. Um, uh, yeah. So, I'm going to shut my ass up because I think I've run out of things to say. And uh, sorry for filling up your voicemail on the previous message. All right. Cheers, boys. Bye.
0: Now, this is interesting, man, because the wailing mm. keeps coming up, man. So, I think that we need to address that and we need to cover that in the next couple of episodes. Have you seen I it? I think we do, too
1: yeah you know what Mike i've seen this twice and this is a movie that comes up a lot of people really like this movie it's a question i get asked a lot have you seen the wailing? and i have to say
0: i didn't care for it okay great fair enough i i liked it so maybe you and i should do an episode on it and kind of go yeah. you know, take diametric opinions about it and see what we liked and you know maybe what you didn't we didn't like and kind of come up with something some kind of Interesting conversation about it. I think so. That should be something something that we get we get to soon.
1: Yeah, it just it never really stuck in my head, and I rewatched it because so many people were were like loved it, and I thought maybe I missed something. But you know, who knows? Maybe a third viewing, you know, my my opinion will change. There's 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 some movies you always feel like you're supposed to like. And I feel like that's one of them, and I'm just sort of confused as to why it just didn't connect with me, so a, a third viewing would be interesting.:
0: Yeah, so and I think uh, uh, we'll see something. We should definitely move that up on the list then, because it seems like there's a lot of chatter about that, especially with the voicemails.
1: Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, like it, it seems to pop on and off streaming all, all the time. Yeah
0: So now if you want to leave a voicemail on the Necrophone, you can reach out to us at nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two and i should have this uh number posted somewhere maybe um know i'll post it in the ig profile or something like that i mean i've been making posts about it too but uh mm. so i think i should put this up there where people could just check it out and uh you know call in
1: Yeah. Uh, it's fun, man. I really enjoy these. I really, really enjoy hearing these.
0: Yeah, and I think I like in the you know, we got Halloween coming up. We got the end of the year coming up. know, you know, before you know it, it's gonna be Halloween. Maybe we should do some kind of poll and have like um you know, do a special based based around just phone calls or something like that and voicemails about favorite movies or whatever, you know.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. I always love our Halloween episode where the three of us get together. Uh, you know, we covered the Halloween new Halloween trilogy. We did a. Uh, a couple list episodes it's always fun.
0: Yeah, I think that maybe we should open that up to the to the listeners and that'd be a lot of fun I think and put a bunch of voicemails together and that stuff. And maybe start this poll like a, the month of October. So, you know. That's a good idea, Mike. Hell yeah. So, for this week's episode, we're uh, we're covering Dagon, a movie yes, loosely based on Shadow over Innsmouth by H.P. Lovecraft. As well as uh, the short, the other short story called Dagon, which is, um, you know, more like a conceptual uh, background for for this.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, it definitely shares more in common with the first story you mentioned, Shadow Over Innsmouth.
0: Yeah. Uh, This is directed by Stuart Gordon, who, uh, actually, it's the team. It's the HPL uh, 80s, 90s adaptation team of uh, Stuart Gordon as director and screenplay by Dennis Paoli. And uh, they work together on reanimator and from beyond. So it falls within, you know, that sort of canon of films, uh, you know, as far as vibe and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Oh, actually I was wrong. I was off by a year. This, uh, this, this came out in October 12th, 2001, not the nineties. It feels like a nineties film though
1: it does feel like a 90s movie when i looked this up i i i I was thinking well like 98 99 but yeah 2001 which i mean it's kind of the 90s
0: yeah you know it's it's kind of i feel like the all the way up until maybe 2004 is still the 90s in some ways
1: (laughs) yeah for sure this is sort of like uh Watching it's like a throwback to, uh, something that doesn't really exist anymore. The B movie direct to video kind of thing that, uh, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you have streaming now, of course, but those movies seem to actually get budgets. Whereas this, uh, this did not look like it was made for a lot of money.
0: No, no, it didn't. And, uh, it's 98 minutes long and, uh, the, it's a Spanish production, which is interesting. Um. And the thing that's interesting about it is, like, the cast, okay? Mm. We've got uh, Ezra, Ezra Godden, who plays Paul Marsh slash uh, pa- Pablo Cambaro. Now, <laughs> actually, I'm going to announce the other person, too. Raquel uh, Morono as Barbara. Now, these two actors, okay, Ezra Godin is like the, the doppelganger, low-rent version of Jeffrey Coombs in some ways. It's funny you say that uh, <laughs> <because> <laughs> while we
1: were watching that, my girlfriend said the exact same thing. Looks yeah. like a, uh, a you know, And I thought, you know, God, I never, never even thought about that. But it's it's quite true.
0: It's like they couldn't get Jeff, you know, or maybe maybe the budget wasn't there because this looks definitely a lower, way lower budget than the other films, and or maybe. I think he would have aged out.
1: Yeah. He would have aged out at that point.
0: Yeah, at that point, yeah. he probably would have been a little too old. Um, you know, and Ra- Raquel uh, Morono is almost like the kind of, uh, you know, uh, bizarro uh, Tawny Catane, too. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I You know, did, uh, did you recognize anyone in this movie? No. As but you've seen in other things?
0: But apparently, uh, Francisco Rabal, um, who passed before the release of this film, who plays Ezekiel. Apparently he's a, a fairly well-known Spanish actor who appeared in this film yes
1: yeah yeah I, I read that too yeah. um English is clearly not his first language I'm sure we're going to get to that
0: yeah uh then, so you know Francisco rabal is ezekiel and uh, for anyone who um who's familiar with the source material well we'll get to that all right uh and then we have Macarena Gomez as Uxia Cambaro. all right and these are kind of like the main cast members of this. You know, there's other people in the film, but I feel like it kind of centers around them.
1: Yeah. Very, very small cast.
0: Yeah. Um so the you know plot wise, like I mentioned, this is uh presented to us as a Lovecraftian movie, and it certainly is. Um you know instead of Innsmouth, it's uh in boca, in boca And um now Ezekiel, the character of Ezekiel who is kind of like the the there's always like a character in a lot of Lovecraft's stories that kind of lays the groundwork for what actually happened. You know, he kind of gives, right. gives you the background. In, in, the short, in the short story, the novella, uh, that's Zadok Allen. You know, there's, a, there's like a homeless guy that they run into and he kind of breaks down the whole story of the, uh, the Dagon, you know, the esoteric order of Dagon, which um, takes over this town in the story. And uh, Ezekiel is that character. You know, he's like the one guy right. who's like still, you know, neutral in this whole situation. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I did not get subtitles on the version that I watched. So I feel I missed a lot of you know, things I was supposed to pick up on.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's a pretty straightforward story. It's just more like vibe and atmosphere with this film. So it's, we start out with, uh, with, there's a, a boat and well, actually it starts off with a dream sequence. Okay. Where Paul is, has this dream of some, you know, he's underwater and there's a mermaid and, um, he wakes up and he's next to his, um, his girlfriend. Right. And they're on a boat. Right. And, um, apparently he's like some kind of like, uh, like tech millionaire or something. That's the vibe you get from this thing.
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure that out since, like, I mean, this is predates Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. So, I mean, maybe some sort of stock marketing kind of guy because uh, he's well, got a, la- a laptop with some charts on it.
0: Well, actually, this is like uh, the .dot com era, if you think about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I definitely definitely agree with you. Uh, what What struck me as odd in this scene, they get a shot of the laptop, and you see next to it. There's a John Grissom book. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. I wonder why the set director put John Grissom in that. You know, in a Lovecraft adaptation, you, you know, might want to throw in something that's a little bit more, I I don't know, uh, like a Legati book or like Lovecraft himself or Stephen King, you know, something like that. I just, this is very nitpicky, but
0: uh, John Grissom, huh? What was the title of the book?
1: I don't remember. I just saw John Grissom. I would imagine it was about a lawyer who did something and has to fix it. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. So they're, they're hitting rough seas. Um, you know, they're taking out water. Uh, you know, they have to go ashore. Uh, so, so Paul and, and um, Barbara get in a boat, and they go into this island. And right away, you get the sense that th- something's up. There's something not quite right about the people that meet them on the shore right and um and that's basically the story from there it's pretty
1: much uh i mean weirdly enough this is kind of a chase movie
0: yeah it's uh you know they, they these people are weird weird looking you, you notice that they yeah. have these kind of this pale skin these like bizarre eyes some people have gills um you know it's it's uh they're not they're they're somewhere between human and something else essentially and uh, right and yeah yeah and uh you know they're they're very uh secretive about what's going on there and um you know so they end up uh this whole this whole idea of of um not leaving barbara alone with them because he's they're speaking spanish like barbara's speaking spanish to the guy and he's like yeah he's smiling like i don't really trust these guys they give me the creeps and the guy responds in english and he's like you know we want to bring her to the church and all that so so we're on this island. Um, there's people look very strange, um, and what happens is, if you're familiar with the Lovecraft story, uh, we we learn that through the the storytelling of Ezekiel, you know, who's that Zadok Allen, um, you know, character in this drama. That there's a lot. It was a. It's a fishing town. It's a long history of prosperity. Like you know, they're simple fisher folk, God fearing people. Um, mm. yeah, they worship Jesus Christ and all that. And um, actually, in in Shadow over Innsmouth, I think that the the main industry was uh, was shipbuilding in uh, in that story. So there's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but think I think
1: you're there. right. Yeah. 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 It's been a while since I've read that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, but what happens is that there's um suddenly there's there's no fish anymore you know and um so then we we get the the orpheus combaro character you know he's like this captain now orpheus combaro is uh in in the lovecraft story that's obed marsh okay and it's i guess like the fact that paul's last name is marsh is like a throwback to, to the lovecraftian story you know
1: see i didn't catch that
0: yeah i mean combaro is like i guess since it's a spanish production they, they everything has a latin flavor to it you know like they're in this yeah. they, they changed the name of the town but you know they're still keeping some of the main elements together and all this sort of stuff now Although um, the
1: name of the town translates to in mouth in really? english yeah oh, yeah it means not yeah
0: wow so like a literal translation of in mouth
1: yes Yeah. I think I'm right, so when, and and please let me uh, know if I'm wrong in the comments or uh, you know on our Instagram page.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting, man. A uh, little, little on the nose, you know, a little bit on the nose. Yeah,
1: it is kind of on the nose, but yeah. some other part aspects of it are not. But uh, we'll get into that.
0: All right, so we got the uh, Orpheus Cambaro is is the the, the captain of this um, fishing fleet. Okay, he comes back. With uh, a solution to the problem of the, pr- the no fish problem, basically. And he mm. introduces the entity Dagon, which is an undersea being, okay? And um, starts the, uh, the esoteric order of Dagon. And that's, um, they start worshipping this creature that lives beneath the sea, all right, And lo and behold, prosperity comes to them. You know, riches fish yeah uh, fish yeah
1: I loved the way these uh, pieces of gold looked yeah I thought that you know these like sort of otherworldly and scaly and unnerving kind of reminded me of when I used to deliver groceries to the Church of Scientology <laughs> <laughs> and they had these fucking trophies everywhere that just something a little off about them something a little creepy that's what that reminded me of
0: Wow Personal, maybe they're uh maybe they are connected to some inter intergalactic um being you know
1: nothing surprise me at this point
0: now also we uh we we hear the uh the cthulhu chant too which is like straight yes. out straight out of uh call of cthulhu the Io cthulhu photogen you know that's part of the whole chant that they're that they're doing which i found to be very interesting
1: yeah that was uh that was a nice touch
0: i like that as well you know and Cthulhu and Dagon and Azathoth, like, these are all the main, you know, beings in the, uh, you know, the Cthulhu uh, mythos. Dagon. it again. There we go. I just lost some audio for a second. I think my cable, okay. I got my cable shot, maybe. Uh, yeah, so Dagon, uh, Azathoth, Cthulhu, like, these are all main beings, main entities in the mythos created by H.P. Lovecraft. So, um, you know, I, This is the first of Stuart Gordon's films that actually go into Cthulhu, really.
1: That's true. And this is something like his fourth Lovecraft adaptation.
0: Yeah, we have uh, Reanimator, From Beyond, uh, Castle Creep, right? Yeah. And uh, And... none none of those are mythos stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you know, well into his career at this point, he he finally tackles uh, the, the the Cthulhu mythos and puts his own spin on it. Like we said, this isn't this isn't a direct adaptation of either either story that's based on Shadow Over Innsmouth or or Dagon. So they're kind of reinterpreting it and making it a bit more modern, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely modern. Um some of the some of the plot elements are a little bit different, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially shot the shadow over Innsmouth, you know, Innsmouth, however you want to pronounce it. You know, the ending yeah. that kind of thing sets it up pretty good. Um so what happens is, you know, they're they're experiencing this um this period of prosperity, and all of this is being told through the through Ezekiel's recounting. It's all like all done through flashbacks. Like Ezekiel was a young boy during this period. And, um, he's experienced like his family and the rise of the Dagan cult and the rejection of Christianity. Like there's a good scene of them, like casting down the cross and the Jesus Christ, uh, you know, iconography and all that sort of stuff, you know, like full rejection of, um, Christianity. Now, once again, to talk about the short story or the novella, I guess Innsmouth is a novella. Um.
1: Yeah, it's one of his longer stories. Yeah,
0: yeah. So this is an island. Mboka is an island, but on in the Lovecraft story, it's it's um like a coastal community that you have to get to by taking one bus that goes out there like once a day or something like that. So right. it, it's connected to the mainland, but this is like an island. So it gives it more of like an isolated sort of claustrophobic like feeling in, in the movie, I think. And the island itself is some of the best stuff in the movie. I mean, obviously,
1: uh, Lovecraft's story was, you know, probably uh, based in, Pro- in Providence or or based on Providence. And here, it's like a, a fishing village in Spain. But it really, I I love this little village that they found to, to shoot this in. Like, it's sort of something I would
0: picture in my head when I'm reading uh, Lovecraft. So there you know this this prosperity dries up. And so what's obviously obviously what's the next what's the next solution? You know, not just worship. Mm. You know, there's a lot of scenes of them worshipping Dagon, you know, and, and um Kambaro has become like a high priest in that organization. He has like this pretty awesome like, you know, headpiece that he wears, you know, the, <laughs> the robes and all that sort of stuff. There's a great scene where they take down the cross and they put the Dagon uh, symbol up. Yeah. yeah. Pretty sick, you know. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. So obviously, worship is not adequate to maintain the level of prosperity that this town needs to survive. So the natural solution is blood sacrifice. Mm. Yeah. And this is where uh, the story gets real for Ezekiel, because the first <laughs> sacrifice is his father. And there's a scene of them tearing you know his father away from him and his mother, and uh, they slash the father's throat with uh you know ceremonial blade. of course there's a right. like ceremonial blade involved in that you know so he tells uh you know paul finds ezekiel tells him this story uh barbara is uh you know captured by uh by the cult so he's out actually he believes that barbara has been murdered at that point too
1: Right, exactly. Because Ezekiel, I think, tells him that he saw her kill. We got to point out this movie is very hard to understand, not plot wise, but dialogue wise.
0: Yes, that's true. I, I have to agree with that. So you know, the version I have doesn't have any subtitles here. So. Um, oh,
1: okay. All right. So it wasn't just me. Yeah, All yeah. Right.
0: And there's a lot they slip in and out of Spanish, and I mean, maybe I don't have like a proper version of this film. I'm not even sure if there's ever any who released this like as a hard a hard copy or not. You know.
1: I do have it on DVD I, somewhere. I, I, I do. Uh, but I watch this on the Plex app, which, yes, did not have subtitles.
0: Was the uh, the DVD the version that you, you pick up at like a Love's Truck stop or something like that? Pretty much. I
1: mean, I got mine in Aniba Music for like probably like $3. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's very bare bones. I'm not even sure if it's formatted for
0: widescreen TVs, to tell right. you the truth. So, there's actually some really brutal scenes that come up in this movie. Yeah. You know, um, so Paul and Ezekiel are captured by the cultists. Okay. Now, and then, of course, you know, their human sacrifice is an everyday thing there. There's some really brutal scenes. I mean, they don't just like slit your throat, they like peel your skin off and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's a yeah. very, very intense way of sacrificing someone. Yeah.
1: And like, I don't but well, that was not a
0: part of shadow over Innsmouth, if if i'm remembering correctly no, was it no that that's an embellishment that the uh, that the screenwriter put into this thing yeah it, it's uh, it's pretty brutal man
1: like and unexpected
0: for such a low budget film this is definitely where they spent their budget of effects is on the the brutalization scenes for sure
1: yeah well they definitely didn't spend it on the storm <laughs> no <laughs> that's no. for sure yeah
0: um
1: Mike, and here's one thing I wanted to ask you. I've seen this movie a couple of times now. Did you, is it explained why they take people's skin? Because no. it's mentioned before too, where like, you know, in one of the many chases where Paul's getting chased, he runs into like this little basement or something where people's skin is hanging everywhere. And obviously they, they, they skin Ezekiel and they're about to take Paul's skin, uh, it's never quite explained why they do that, or at least I thought maybe I missed it. I don't know. Maybe you caught something.
0: No, I, I didn't see any reason why besides that it's, like, totally brutal, you know, which is, like, some yeah. reason enough to do it, but also, um, anyone out there, before I get dead wronged on any of this stuff, I do not recall the uh, the Lovecraft story having any flaying in it, you know, defleshing or anything like that, so...
1: Yeah, I don't either. But it's been about
0: close to twenty years since I have read that story. I mean, I read it last year, but uh, I, don't, I still don't remember any kind of defleshing going on in it. Seems like something you'd remember too. Yeah. Be that as it may, uh, so they're going to uh, sacrifice Ezekiel, and uh, it's actually kind of a cool scene, really, because like Ezekiel is, is this, you know, pretty pretty fucking badass character, really. You know, he's been he's been like. Existing as a human as a f- proper human um, Without any corruption of uh, the Dagon fish people You know so the way the way it works is like you know once you start Worshipping Dagon um, You start transitioning into into this uh, amphibious like creature You know and some of some of right. the Some of the different uh, townsfolk are in various stages of that Like some have webbed hands some have guilds uh, you know, some have like, you know, these f- weird fleshy lips and stuff like that, you know.
1: Yeah, and I got to say, the makeup for looks pretty good.
0: Yeah. These, these are pretty cool
1: looking creatures.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, Paul apologizes to Ezekiel for dragging him into this. And Ezekiel says one of the most badass things ever, man. He's just like, no, thank you. Thank you for... Reminding me of my father, and I don't know. it was a heavy ass scene. I thought, you know, it was like real. Like I'm like, like what a fucking right on, like dude Ezekiel is. Yeah, he's also hammered. So who knows?
1: <laughs> um, because he's a he's the town drunk.
0: He's the town drunk. Yeah, that's uh, right. Just like Zadok Allen. Yeah. Yeah, um, I,
1: I sort of got what he was saying, but I, again, I missed a lot of it. Like I, at one point, they, I mean, they go into like this this prayer um oh the prayer. some of the dialogue before
0: that yeah so uh, you know if you're any christians out there christians um will know that prayer they say at funerals about you know walking through the valley of death with your rod and staff and that kind of thing so um so he's reciting that and paul joins him in this recital of that christian prayer mm-hmm. so yeah yeah now the This fucking guy whips out this sacrificial blade and just starts rip, basically cuts this dude's face off, man. And it's like pretty. That's what I'm saying. This is where this is where the effects budget went. It was went into this scene, man. It's just like they unflinchingly show you the removal of this gentleman's face.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's very unexpected and and graphic. And yeah, like you can see most of the money going. To this, because it clearly didn't go to the digital effects. Yes. I mean, I know this is two, 2001, uh, but like, you know, right when you see even the opening credits in this movie, you know, it looks cheap. It looks sort of like a, uh, you know, a, a, a title scene from a PlayStation 1 game or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's why I thought in my mind this is from like, I thought this movie was way older than it actually is because of the very, very ropey uh, CGI effects. Yeah, there's like a storm
1: that comes uh, while the, when they're on the boat and the boat crashes and it looks it looks pretty
0: bad. Yeah, it looks painful to have your face taken off like that too, doesn't it, Jeff?
1: I would imagine. I mean, even though Ezekiel's pretty hammered, I'd imagine that kind of hurts. <laughs> but uh, you know, he takes it he takes it well. And uh, Ezekiel's a great character and he's consistent. Uh, whereas Paul, our main character, um, he's very inconsistent. Uh, and some sometimes he's, uh, you know, kind of dorky and awkward and other times he's heroic. And then, you know, your typical lead character, you know, I, I just found it to be a little inconsistent. And uh, Ezekiel was a, a much more badass character. I agree with that.
0: Now, a commentary on some of the action sequences in this, because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, this is kind of a chase movie because there's a lot of scenes of the fish people uh chasing um you know Paul around trying to capture him that kind of thing did you find that some of the chase action had a almost like a slapstick vibe to it
1: yes i'm glad you mentioned that yeah there is like a weird undercurrent of humor going going through this
0: movie yeah um, so it's not just me who who picked up on that right
1: no, 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 definitely, because, you know, like, I think they even, like, ADR'd some, like, quips from Paul, like, oh, geez, <laughs> you know, to yeah. make it a, a a little bit more conical. No, I caught that, too, and, you know, at one point, he gets his head dunked into a toilet, and he bashes a guy with a toilet seat or something like that. Yeah, it, it's definitely, I think, intentionally funny.
0: Now, do you think it's served, it served the film or detracted from it?
1: Um, I gotta say it probably, I think it detracted from it a little bit. Uh, HP Lovecraft was never, I think, or my interpretation is his stories were never really all that humorous.
0: No. And there really aren't too many women in his stories either.
1: That's yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, overall, I mean, there's not a ton of Lovecraftian adaptations out there. Um,
0: do you think this is a, a good one? No. <laughs>
2: really? Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I,
0: well, I actually really like this movie, but for different reasons. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, you know, it's all right, It's not a strict no, okay? It's like on a range of, say, 1 through 10, I would say there's like a 5. Okay. You know what I mean, and uh, and there are some yeah. films like there are movies that aren't even Lovecraftian films that I think are more Lovecraftian, such as The Thing. You know that kind of stuff, like From Beyond. Oh yeah, uh, like those are. Eights, I, I I totally agree. Those are eights and nines. You know, and the only straight up Lovecraft movie that ever came out that I felt was like right on time was uh, was Richard Stanley's um, Color Out of Space. That's the only one that succeeded, I think. Right. Yeah, that's certainly. Uh... Has Well, I mean, I think this does have like
1: a, a strong Lovecraft vibe. It just, you know, it doesn't really connect from A to B to C as well as it should. Like, you know, uh, Paul is and you find out he's he's one of them. You find out in the end. Right. Like He's always been one of them. And that seemed like I mean, it almost seems to come out of nowhere. I mean, there's some visual clues in the beginning of the movie. You see, he has that nightmare. He wakes up on the boat, and you see him shirtless. You see he has these, like, red scars on the side, which uh, uh, turn out to be gills, but it's never mentioned at all.
0: Well, that's the thing, too. You just see the scarring. Yeah, is that uh, it's not like a, a hereditary thing. You know what I mean? Like that, And that's what's weird about it, is that it has more to do with worshiping Dagon and being in that island than it does with being a descendant. Because it turns out that, uh, he's a descendant of, um, of, uh, you know, he's actually a Kumbaro. Like he's like some distant relative of his, his. which in some ways it's like irrelevant really, if you think about it, because, you know, Kumbaro came and brought this Dagon cult to the island. Right. And before that he was a regular person. He was a normal human being, but, the, the vibe true. the whole point is like the corruption of the of the townspeople happens because of the introduction of Dagan into their society so if you know paul's out in San Francisco or in silicon valley or whatever you know on the in the dot com explosion just the fact that he shares genes with um with Cambaro doesn't mean that he's at some point you know a lot of his life like a mer like a merman a merman or whatever or a fish guy or whatever you know that's a really good point. Yeah, like, it, like you said, it's not hereditary,
1: and there is a blinking you'll miss it line about how he was uh, from Spain, yeah, and his mom wouldn't, wouldn't let him speak Spanish or something like that. But they don't really give you any foreshadowing as to what's going on with Paul. And now that you mention that, it makes even less sense to me. Yeah,
0: but with that said, that's that's a, a that's a theme that comes up in a lot of Lovecraft's work. Like in the, the festival, that's like another another instance of a guy who is. Um, has like a dark family history you know, and he gets introduced into this like cult you know, but he didn't, doesn't realize that he shares genetics with you know that's kind of like even Arthur Mackin has stuff like that in his um in his stories you know what i mean so that's like a yeah that's like a weird fiction kind of thing where there's a guy existing out in the world and he has like some connection to this like ancient um you know cult or familial interaction and the family at some point you know that's all you know connected with like a different type of being and everything you know that is a very Lovecraftian idea however in this case that's not supported at all you know what I'm trying to say no I no, absolutely yeah. um yeah. and that and that's why like I felt like this is like a five out of ten as far as like Lovecraftianness. you know
1: yeah it seems to
0: I think it got I love that like I said I love the town it's,
1: it's very atmospheric the best stuff is him like scenes of them sort of wandering around the town and seeing how empty and wet and just creepy it is but it, it, it's missing that cosmic element that that makes Lovecraft's stuff so great
0: yeah exactly um, you know and and in the case of Dagon being like an under one of the old ones you know It's, uh, and they, they reference Cthulhu, you know, they have like the Cthulhu chant, you know, and, uh, but they don't really go into anything about what that is. Like what, what these beings are, you know, like, you know, there's that early a, you know, the sunken city, like they kind of like show you this, this domain that's underwater, which I'm assuming is early a, uh, but Mm -hmm. They don't really like a prime prime time to do that sort of stuff was during the um, the Orpheus uh story that that um, that Ezekiel tells, you know, that could have been part of that whole right. narrative about, you know, old gods and like the undersea sunken city and that kind of stuff, you know. Sure, or you know, yeah, the 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 film, like you know, there's a scene on the boat
1: in the beginning that could have been a nice spot for some more interesting dialogue. Um, I, instead we get her throwing his computer <laughs> uh, <laughs> over into the ocean, and then she she says a line in it that was like really like I was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, what is it's like that's your like ass coming over the horizon <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what <laughs>
0: yeah that's one of those um, things man that comes up when like English is like not the main language of someone because I remember th- this is like years ago, like when I used to do sound for like independent movies, like I was working with this guy, and his movie never it actually did get made. he sent me the blue the dVD of it years ago, but they were filming um a scene in uh in in the this diner. In Kellogg's Diner, actually, which you probably know about. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy was talking about, it's like a, a dating kind of scenario, and the guy's like, you know, oh, what I like, I like to take long rides on my motorbike, right? Which is like, <laughs> that's correct. However, in the United States, the guy would say motorcycle. Yeah. So exactly. there's like that weird, okay. like, right, so we speak English, but we, have a, we got a different take on it. So maybe that saying that she said might have been some Spanish- you know, saying that doesn't really hit the right way or differently in English, you know what I mean? Sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I get that. It just, it really made me laugh. And uh, I don't know. I just think it's a missed opportunity. There's four people on the boat. Um, one of them named Howard, obviously a reference to H.P. Lovecraft, but which I found kind of strange. It's kind of like a throwaway character. Um,
0: they don't even account for him really dying or anything like
1: that. You know what I mean? No, yeah, it's like they like ran out of money and just didn't couldn't film his death scene or something like that. Yeah. He's yeah, he just sort of disappears from the movie. And I, I just think you know that the, the scene on the boat could have been a nice setup, some foreshadowing, some interesting philosophical conversation going on between the two uh, the, the, the the two couples. Um, one of them's naked for some reason because I guess it's a horror movie in two thousand two thousand one. Uh, you need you need nudity. Um, but yeah, it, it just could have set it up a little bit. Paul's history, something, you know, who these people are. They're not really, I mean, Paul's the lead, but he's not really a fleshed out character no. in, in, in any real way.
0: Yeah, that that scene could have been good for them to like, maybe Paul can talk about. Like when she tells him that he's, he, when he says that he's Spanish and he's like, well, my mother never wanted me to speak Spanish, but she did tell me these stories about my family or whatever. Like, you know, there was like uh, exactly connections to some Thing you know, and they could have made it like that. They could have made it about like that typical Lovecraftian lost family member, like old family weirdness. You know?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Explain like the this this like the the red marks on his side. Like oh, it's a family birthmark. Just something I don't know. you know, and it, it, instead, you know, it kind of like, oh, you know, just you know, there's the, the it's a nightmare sequence. Go to the boat, and then boom, they're they're on the island after the really bad CGI storm, where, yeah, you know, uh, um, Vicky gets her leg caught in the boat. Uh, somehow gets caught. You know, they can't free her. Um, I don't know. They it was just a it could have been I thought more substantial than than what it was. Yeah,
0: you know, but,
1: but... and uh, I. I'm sorry,
0: go ahead. No, I was going to say like so and then you know this foreshadowing between Uktia and and um and Paul you know it's mainly through dreams but then he discovers her in this room and um yeah. it turns out you know hey it's a sister you know what I mean so <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and uh they 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 live happily ever after
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and for poor Barbara yeah um I mean, again, not much of a character. She gets uh, abducted and then freed somehow, and Paul basically fucks up and gets her killed. <laughs> um, essentially,
0: yeah. And yeah, I guess like, exactly. Despite all this stuff, though, I still really fucking like this movie. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like, like I know I gave it a five oh. in the Lovecraft rating, but it's like as a as a movie, you know, it's 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 a fun movie though to watch. You know what I mean?
1: It is, and I saw this right at the height of, I think I was on tour, I was reading a lot of Lovecraft, and uh, I brought this DVD with me because I used to travel with a portable DVD player, you know? Um, And, uh, you know, I I watched this right after I read uh, Shadow of Rain's Mouth, and at the time, I thought it really, I was like, this is one of the better Lovecraft adaptations. Like, they really really got a lot of things right. Seeing it, uh, however many years later, I don't feel quite as strongly about it. But I agree, it's a fun movie. It, um, it obviously, you know, Gordon is is a big fan of Lovecraft. He respects his work. Um, definitely, you know, adds some humor and some other things to it. But um, it's just funny. I, I just finished True Detective season one, and I thought that was probably more Lovecraftian than this.
0: Yes, there. I mean, I mean, you know, there, there's there's so much to be said about that first season, really you know.
1: Yeah, there really is.
0: Yeah. yeah, But, but yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry to mean, to talk talk. Uh, re-
1: no, re- I'm just saying this, 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 this works is sort of like, I don't know, like a can't be throwback
0: to the d- direct to video
1: days that, um that were, that was, you know, so much more prevalent in 2001. And yeah, it's fun. It's basically a, a chase movie. It's got some great atmosphere. It's, I think we talked about it doesn't really make a ton of sense but uh, you
0: know, who cares yeah it's fun you know like i said i i think uh i found this movie when um a while like you know decades ago one of my roommates had a burned dvd of this he had an extensive collection of burned dvds and um, okay it just was like literally like a dvd that just said dagan on it and i was like what the hell is this like the lovecraft story and he's like yeah yeah check it out so so i have a soft spot <laughs> in my heart for this movie. Um, is it good? Debatable. <laughs> is it, uh, yeah. Is it, is it, uh, you know, one of the better Lovecraft films? Eh, it's in the middle. You know, they get, they get some stuff that they definitely are on the right page, but I've seen way thing, way better Lovecraft films that are, not even supposed to be Lovecraftian, you know? So that's why. Yeah,
1: ex- yeah. exactly. That's why it, this, this is best down,
0: Adaptations are, yeah, are not, the adaptations are of the yeah <laughs> yeah
1: yeah exactly and um interesting this this did cause me though to to watch uh the lovecraft documentary called uh fear of the unknown which um i own on blu-ray but it's also on youtube for
0: for free yeah i highly and, recommend uh, everyone watch that it's got st joshi yeah. in it you know
1: yeah, and it has uh, it has a lot of the, the, the people you'd expect. To, they talk to you know about like you have Guillermo del Toro, you have uh, Don Carpenter. Um, Guillermo del Toro famously came very close to actually making a um, Lovecraft adaptation. He was going to direct at the Mountains of Madness.
0: Yeah, that that that's. I want to see that actually. I think del Toro would do well, yeah. a great job on something like that.
1: Well, it was Del Toro directing, Tom Cruise starring, and uh-huh. James Cameron producing, hmm. and you still couldn't get that off the ground. That's insane to me.
0: I fuck with Tom Cruise in in uh, Mountains of Madness.
1: That, yeah, I think that, I mean, it, it, sure, he, they would probably add some crazy stunt scene or whatever, but yeah, I'm all for it.
0: But I mean, that, that could work as a kind of adventure-y film, too, you know what I mean? And not and not be cheesy, because is, it is kind of an adventure film movie um you know story in some ways
1: oh sure I and mean, i think it's very telling tom cruise went on to make the mummy um not too long after that also sort of horror based but uh, adventury you know they turned it into a little bit more of like a classic adventure sort of story i i think the movie was actually pretty horrible but uh, i can see what they were going for there
0: yeah no definitely um yeah that documentary i saw that in um at the salem horror festival a number of years ago um it was, uh, I saw it in a church that was turned into oh, an arts center. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was perfect, man, because it was back then the Salem Horror Convention was in um, October. So, you mm-hmm. know, the whole Salem in October is like out of control with oh, it, all this stuff. It's yeah, like, it's great. Insane, you know? So, um, you know, it, it was uh, the last event of the day. So it was like, you know, a six o'clock movie showing. And uh, you know it was dark out. It was cold. You know, uh, it's like this old building in New England, and it was the mm. best setting possible to watch like a documentary about H.P. Lovecraft. It's so cool. Absolutely, and uh, interesting fact I learned from that
1: Dagon is his first published story.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Um,
1: but yeah, I, I, I mostly agree with. with with with, with uh, what you say, I, I I enjoyed this too, but it's not it's it's far from perfect. It is cheesy, it is cheap, it is a, a little nonsensical. But I I got a soft spot for this one. Um, I will say I do think Shadow Over Ensmouth is due for a direct adaptation. I, I I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah, man, it's uh, it'd be a great period piece. You know, I mean, have have you seen Chapel Wait? Wait, that sounds familiar. Have I seen that? It was. I don't I, know. I, I forgot, I think... what, I forgot what, what channel it was on, but Adrian Brody stars in it, and it's um, it's like uh, based on Jerusalem's Lot by uh, the Stephen King story.
1: That's why I've heard of it. Yeah, you've uh, talked about this. Who, <laughs> yeah. Whoever
0: made that movie or that show, rather, whoever made that should adapt Shadow over Innsmouth because it has like that period piece, like nautical seafaring vibe to it. You know.
1: Yeah, that's actually, uh, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm, I'm trying to think of who I uh, could see directing something like that that isn't Guillermo del Toro, you know? Wow. Sometimes it's kind of cool when you pick someone that's outside of the box you wouldn't normally think to do something like that, like fucking Kenneth Branagh or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean the, uh, so, the, the, the obvious answer would be Richard Stanley, but they're not making him they're not allowing him to make films anymore these days. So
1: yeah, yeah. I think he's uh he's he's quite finished. Although, you know, you and I differ on our feelings about uh uh color out of space. I, I was not uh in love with it as much as you were. I, I thought was, I was I
0: loved it, but you know you know who um actually might be good at doing Lovecraft is uh Panos Cosmados.
1: Oh, Interesting that yeah. would be interesting I think you know he, yeah his sensibilities are just very very strange I would like to see those two worlds uh, come come together
0: because like every movie that he's made you are in a different world you know what I mean like he creates a world even even his entry into that um, that anthology series that's on Netflix yes he, you're in a different world when you're when you're in his world and I would love to see how he would attack a Lovecraft narrative and put you in a different world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or really outside of the box, Steven Spielberg. How about him doing Lovecraft? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hard you know? hard pass on that one, man.
1: <laughs> hey man, he made Jaws, one of the best movies ever made. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. You know, but it's not I don't see him, you know, really coming correct on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: unfortunately Stuart Gordon has passed away. We won't get another Lovecraft adaptation from him. Uh, However, he did leave behind a very cool body of Lovecraft adaptations. He went on to make uh, a Masters of Horror episode, Dreams in the Witch House, based on Lovecraft, uh, which I thought was one of the better episodes of that show.
0: I have to agree with that. And such
1: stars this guy who plays Paul.
0: Wait, what? He was in that? I believe so. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. You know, i have to I have to revisit that then. Yeah.
1: So, okay. On a scale of our Necromaniac scale, of one to five, where does this lie for you?
0: I'm going to have to give this one a 3.5. You know?
1: We are in complete agreement again yeah. this week. I give it a 3.5 as well. Now, another question. When you're thinking about... <clears throat> the important horror films of the last 23 years this new millennium would this be included
0: that's an excellent question because um i did not include this because i thought this actually came out in the 90s so um <laughs> but i'd have to re- revisit that idea because like i said though i cannot say this is a good movie do i think it's important and i would have to say that this does have some significance because it is an early attempt in the new millennium of adapting cosmic horror and HP Lovecraft.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I would say it's worth including and not you know, I I eventually something's gonna come along and and you know we'll, we'll get like a perfect adaptation. But for now, yeah, I think if you're an HP Lovecraft fan, complete this this is a must see. Like I wouldn't recommend this to your average kind of person, like, oh, yeah, I kind of like horror movies. So it wouldn't be like, oh, you've got to see this. Yeah. But if you're discovering Lovecraft and you're, you know, you're really excited, you know, just read a few of his stories, like, this is definitely
0: a must see. I would say that, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, it's not a good movie, but it's, it's fun. You know, it looks cool. There are things about it that are enjoyable, but it's, it's like not ultimately like, like a must see, you know, movie.
1: Yeah. And I wonder, what Stuart Gordon could have done with uh, a bigger budget. You know, he's a, he's a good director. He's very confident. And sometimes this feels very schlocky and amateurish. Like, you know, the whole opening scene in Underwater just kind of felt like you were in someone's swimming pool. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, definitely. You know, it was definitely a little And, tricky. you know, a couple more million
1: dollars, you know, a couple million dollars more. Like, what could it, or like, you know, a really big budget, which I don't think Stuart Gordon ever really worked with no uh you
0: know what well, could have been
1: you know but yes. for what we got it's enjoyable agreed it's yeah. it's not a great movie
0: you know i could i could do yeah. i could do a couple million more dollars you know to, to see what i come up with you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: all right i think i think we got that one yeah
0: all right guys thanks for listening and we'll uh, we'll catch you all next week take care
2: later